Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the 13th floor, where the furniture isn't always the best, but the views are amazing. As always, we thank you for being with us. We know you could have chosen to get off on any floor, but you chose to get off to get off on the 13th floor, and we're glad to have you. Uh, with me today, I have, he's back, the mystery, Mr. Kenny Omegabo. Kenny, what's going on, sir? Uh, nothing much. Looking forward to today's podcast. I'm excited to share some knowledge about uh, you know, jobs and what you need to do to be successful. So looking forward to today. Nice. And and, and for those of you listeners, um, some of you uh, uh, elder folks might have got a little bit excited that we're going to talk about jobs. Uh, we're actually specifically talking about jobs for, for new graduates that are just in, trying to enter the workforce. So, uh, but don't tune out because I'm sure there'll be a couple things that'll be relevant to you as well. Um, a lot. Um, there you go. A lot. Um, and as always, um, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, Mr. B. Jones. And I'm going to just introduce him as B. Jones now because the other one. Because the other one's not here. The other one's not here. So, but BJ's in the house. Mr. Logistics is in the house. What's going on, sir? Hey, man. Bless the highly favorite, man. It's been a great couple weeks. Um, got a lot of stuff going on. And just, just hey, excited to hear what's here. Excited to share. Let's make things happen, man. Good, good, good. So uh, we apologize to you listeners out there. For those of you that are used to us putting out uh, weekly content, we've, we've, uh, we took a week off. Uh, but we're back, and we've got some new formats that we're going to be introducing to the show. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. I think you all be pretty excited with what we do next. Uh, but for real, we, we missed Mother's Day. We didn't send any Mother's Day posts or anything. So happy belated Mother's Day if such a thing exists to all the moms out there. Um, and man, I don't know about you guys, fellas, but it, it usually seems like it's dads and grads. But for some reason, it seemed like this year it was moms and grads. Yep. So right around that yeah. time of year, man. I mean, I I never understood that because it was always graduation right around Mother's Day. But it always they advertise as dads and grads, so. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand. I guess whoever figured out the, the marketing rhyme scheme, but um, I don't know. Hallmark seems to be a, a, a fading company. I, I don't know how you guys feel. Have you guys been out looking for, for cards for anything recently? For Mother's Day, yeah. Yeah, Mother's Day. We got a couple. Did, did you guys find variety? Like, I didn't find a whole lot of variety with what was available. This year, it was less than normal, I would say. But still, being here in South Florida, there's still a variety because you have, um, like, the, those in Spanish, those, the um, what they call the African-American. Mahogany cards? But the mahogany section even now was even shrunk down. Yep, um, so the total number available was like limited, but still, um, I'll probably say it was probably more than a, other places around the U.S. Yeah, it's interesting. Interesting. I, I, I don't know. I, I think maybe because of the internet and the ability to send things immediately. I'm sorry, Asher, did I not introduce you? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, my son Asher is on the 13th floor today. Um, he is live in the building. 
Uh, he will not talk on command, but he will talk when he's ready. So <laughs> nice. Well, good. Uh, so hey, so I want to. Oh, you want to get back up? Mm-hmm. All right, cool. See, I wasn't done yet. <laughs> he said he wanted his, int- his int- intro. I mean, entrance. Yeah. All right, so uh, man, without further ado, let, let's get into to one of today's topics, and uh, that topic would be Mr. Robert F. Smith, yes, sir. Um, who was the commencement speaker at Morehouse, and during the commencement speech, Mr. Smith decided, well, not during the speech, but he decided that he was Asher. Son, do you want to do you want to take over the segment, son? Do you want to talk to the people? You don't? Okay. All right. Yeah, so Mr. Smith decided that, uh, which is funny, I'm calling him Mr. Smith because I'm looking at the recent graduates that have just called him Robert, which is funny to me. But uh, this man decided that he was going to give a grant from his family to the 400 or so graduates paying off all their student loans. Um, and black social media is going crazy about it. And so is regular social media and just the media overall. Uh, so I wanted to see what you guys take where was on that, um, and go from there. So when I first heard it, um, it was one of those things like, are y'all just spreading rumors? Did he really say this? Or let me, let me go back and listen to audio myself. So, um, I like what he did because he put a challenge out there saying, this is my class. This this um, graduating class of tw- uh, the spring 2019 is my class. And he put the challenge out there to other alumni, successful alumni, um, that this is the type of stuff, this is the type of work that we should be doing for our youth to support our own, to make sure that um, like the student loan debt is not a hindrance for them going out to the workforce and then starting life off with a clean slate basically right so it's not adding on all that debt and all the other the stress that comes along with it as one extra thing that i have to deal with after i graduate um so i was encouraged by him man i uh if there's um i mean anybody out there that can step up and help people out i mean i think that's what we all should be doing whether we're doing it to make sure that our own seeds can graduate debt free and then what can we do to help somebody else along the way um, cause if they're going to go to college, if they're going to go to trade school, reducing that debt and letting people start off with a clean slate is a great concept, um, that I think, um, many other people, um, outside, um, of, of those HBCUs on a regular basis can, can do, um, and get away with, but, uh, we, we don't have that luxury. I think what else is good about it is that um, not from the inside too, the students that did receive the, uh, you know, the money from him it changed the way that they thought. You know, they're now think now thinking about well, I have to pay back this loan. They're like, this guy did a great thing for us. Now the money that I'm saving, I need to go and do a great thing for someone else as well. And it's good, like you said, to have that burden lifted from you, where you now have the ability to make those kind of decisions. Because normally we don't, we can't do that. We can't do stuff like that. Right. Yeah, and it's interesting because we, we say normally, but I almost feel like it's happened before, but we just don't know about it. I mean, obviously, look, he's he's the 
I think I heard the news say, we have to fact check this, but I think I heard them say that he is the wealthiest African American uh, in the world. Yeah. Well, I don't heard him say U.S. I didn't hear him say uh, in the in the world in the U.S. And then I just looked up on Forbes. He's the 163rd richest person in America. But he's definitely okay. um, people will compare him to Oprah. But like he's wealthier than Oprah. I think I think he's wealthier than Oprah because he he was he was uh, estimated at four point something billion dollars. Just on the five billion. Four point two, four point three billion dollars. And that's a lot. Yeah. So so I had and somebody gave the argument that forty forty million is a drop in the bucket to him, which rightfully so in comparison to um in the grand scheme of things, it is a drop in the bucket. And it's gonna say it's a tax write off for everything. But at the end of the day, don't dismiss the 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 task that the man was trying to do. And wipe in almost four hundred, um, the debt of almost four hundred students. It's forty. It's forty million dollars, right? Yeah. Forty million dollars. Yeah. So forty million out of that almost four point something billion, it like as I said, it's like a drop in the bucket. But don't dismiss the action that the man was doing. Right. right. He was doing something greater for the greater good for almost four hundred students. Um, to again not carry that financial burden on. Because how many people do you know? Um older than us are still talking about student loan payments, right? And they went to, and we, I mean, we all graduated like 90, early 2000s, right? Or we in school at that time. I'm, I'm talking about, I know people who graduated 10, 15 years before I did who are still talking about student loan payments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he, shout out to Mike, shout out to Mike D. <laughs> no shame there. Um, <laughs> But we, but when you think about it, you think about the the generation, the, that generational curse that is passed down instead of wealth. Now people have the opportunity to build wealth for the family and not have to worry about that debt tagged on it to overcome that to then get out of the debt to then start building wealth 15, 20, 30 years from now. Yeah, and, and it's interesting. And look, I'm I'm all about the precedent that's been set because yes, other people will jump out there to do it, right? Um, and it's funny because one of the jokes they made yesterday was it's like, wow, every college is going to be inviting this man to come out now, <laughs> which I, I don't think is the case at all because these uh, lenders want to make their money, right? So they're not going to want this guy to come out because they, they want that long-term interest return. Mm -hmm. uh, but what was interesting, you guys mentioned Oprah. So Oprah was talking at Colorado College um, who were giving her, I think, an honorary doctorate. Um, and in the comments on her IG page, somebody said, hey, you should have paid their tuition, right? And this is this is same day, which is just amazing that, you know, same day, somebody's actually did it. Yeah. Um, and she actually responded on her IG page, which is pretty cool. Uh, she was just like, hey, I've already paid contributed $13 million in scholarships and right. I've also put about 400 men through Morehouse. Right. Uh, which the clapback was serious, but I was just like, wow, that's, that's, that's crazy that um, she even put that out there, but I'm sure there'll be more people to do it. And look, I'm just happy, but what I don't want, I don't want us as a community just to continue to glorify this one effort 
And I want us to more so think about, okay, how can we put things like this in place to happen more often? Right. And how can we pull, pull resources and create things? Um, even if it's for one child at a time, look, you don't have to do for 400 at one time, but if you can affect the life of one child and have them leave college debt free or a young man, young woman, whatever you want to refer to them as, mm-hmm. um, I think that's more so what we need to be caught up in. And how do we get to that point? In the grand scheme of things, that's what it is. It's not about we can the the so the the blowback from it is always the everybody wants to look to those that have to take care of everybody that doesn't, right? That that's not the that's not what I'm saying at all. And I and I'm pretty sure that's not what I'm hearing from you two as well. It's not that the one person should automatically just take care of everybody, but how can we collectively put systems in place to make sure that we can help individuals like that? And until we do that, it's just going to be somebody going with this head, wake up tomorrow and say, I'm not doing this no more. And then we're back to square one. <laughs> yeah. So. And, and even for alumni chapters out there, you know, how are you giving back? How are you contributing to kids getting off on the right track, on the right foot? Um, I know for University of Miami, you know, we have our own black alumni uh, and we have a scholarship that, that we do every year. Um, my son we have a scholarship that we do every year and you know there have been years where I question like hey who are these kids that got this and are they the right kids to get it um and could there have been more that we could have done so these are always the things and you know I would just put that challenge out there for everyone if you're not involved in your alumni that's an easy way um and even if you didn't go to college right because there's some Wealthy people out there didn't go to college or people that are out there that have resources, um, man, get involved. Get involved in your local college that's somewhere near you um, and see what you can do. Trust me, every little bit counts. Um, and there are kids out there that wish they had the information. There are parents out there that have taken mortgages against their homes and things right. like that to put their kids through school. Still so, paying. Yeah, still paying. Mm-hmm. Um, and every little bit counts and little Tommy and Judy, not even using their degree, they're doing something different, but, um, that's a whole nother story. That's a whole nother story. And parents, I'm gonna put that one on you because sometimes you're trying to live your dreams through your kids. But anyway, amen. that's another podcast that we're not even going to get into right now. If you can't say amen, say ouch. So let's move on. <laughs> yep. yep. So ouch. But. Uh, in the spirit of giving back, um, we thought it would be fitting uh, at this time where you do have a lot of new graduates, you have people that are be going into the workforce, or at least trying to get into the workforce. Um, and that's one of the things that Kenny is a subject matter expert in that he helps kids do uh, every year that are graduating from uh, the school that he works at. Um, and he actually goes out in the community and holds workshops uh, to help kids get prepared to go out to the workforce. So we thought it'd be pretty cool um, if he shared a few tips for those of you new graduates and for those of you that might just be looking for a career change. Um, resumes are not what they used to be. You got to do a whole lot more creative work with them now and, and, and you actually have to put in your personality into your resume now if you want to stand out. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to Kenny and I'll just pop back in to, to keep the conversation going. But the floor is yours, sir. Okay. So I wrote down actually six points that I think are um, ones I'd want to touch on. And it's, like I said, this is for new graduates, but 
new graduates aren't necessarily people who have been out of the workforce. So that's why when you said, you know, the older folks, it's not for you. Generally, what I've come to learn is the stuff that I talk about and teach can apply to pretty much anybody that's just looking to further their career and get into the workforce. But since we keep the focus on college grads, let's keep it that way. And I will go from there. We can grow from that place. Um, so six points I wrote down that I really wanted to. Hey, and hold on before you get into the six points, Kenny. Yeah. This is the time where you want to go get your child that's graduating or that has graduated already or for yourself, you want to get your notepad out and start taking notes. Your right? niece, your nephew, their grandchild, anybody that you know, the neighbor. Yeah, absolutely. Because one of the things that we all know as parents is that when the information comes from you, somehow it's not valid, it's not credible, it's discredited. Um, so a lot of them hear it firsthand. Uh, we don't have fresh on today, so you don't have to worry about anything explicit. Uh, <laughs> not fresh. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So yeah, man, let's get it. Six points, six points for your brand new graduate or six points for those of you looking for a career change. Right. And these, um, like I said, these are six points. There's obviously so many more points that we could cover, but trying to keep it concise for the sake of the podcast. Um, so first point is career planning and management. Um, the second is establishing your personal brand. Let me try to read these correctly. I wrote them. Um, the third is identifying your network. Fourth is talking about resumes, cover letters, and LinkedIn, which kind of touches on what uh, Carol just mentioned about creativity and making yourself stand out. Um, that was one, two, three, four. The fifth is uh, search engines, like Indeed, Monster, those type of things, um, and how to utilize them, as well as job search strategies. Um, and then if we have a little bit more time, if you want to talk about it, I can always talk about the interview process, which is might run to some other thing, but we could go there. Um, so let's talk about career planning and management first. The first thing about career planning and management is people need to understand um, how to plan their career. Um, since we're keeping it specific to college students, my advice to all college students is that when you start college, you should do your best to see what's going on with your career services department. A lot of colleges have them. A lot of students don't utilize them. I'll even talk when I was in college. I couldn't even tell you where the career services department was, where it is, where it was. I still can't tell you where that was um, or if we even had one. So what I've come to learn is being somebody who works with that population is that the sooner that you go to visit your career counselor, your career advisor, or start talking about your career while in college, um, the better you are when it's time for you to graduate and step out into what people call the real world. Um, I think the real world is college personally um, because it's prepping you for the workforce. That's how I look at it more so. Um, and I'd even say that when you go to college, that's considered a job. I've spoken to some students who have actually left their jobs and they started college. So some of the things when I tell them, I say, so when you go for an interview, what is it you tell employers that you did? Cause you worked up until let's say 2016 and suddenly you're not working anymore. And a valid point is if you started college, that is a continuation of your employment. So you have to think about all these little pieces. Most people, when they have jobs or, and they have jobs while they're in college, before college, they don't look at them as jobs that are important. They look at the most important job as being the one that they get once graduation happens. Um, I would always say, keep a track of every job you have, of every volunteer service that you've done. Uh, volunteering is huge. I tell people, if, if employers know that you can do something for free and do a great job at it, why do you think they wouldn't look at you and say, you know what, if I'm going to pay this person now, they're probably going to do an even better job. So you have to, go ahead. I was going to say, 
and, and keep track of every group project you ever participate in. Because when you get to come see me in corporate America, I'm going to ask you about a time where you had to influence a group of individuals to accomplish a task. Sure. And you may not have the work history to do it, but you absolutely have applicable college experience that you could use for it because it's the same thing. As Kenny was saying, college is the real world. It's just a smaller microcosm of the bigger world where you have everything there. You have your politics, you have your, your financial challenges, um, time management, all of that is there. So yes, absolutely keep track of everything you participate in because it can serve you when it comes to interview. Yep. And I could even, like I said, I could really touch on the whole interview process either now or at another time, because that's actually a long thing. And what Carol mentioned is um, star interviews where they give you a situation and you have to talk about that specific situation. So he's right. So while in college, yes, remember every group project you've ever worked on and do your best to work on group projects. Um, I tell students when you're in college, make sure you do a few public speaking things. Don't be afraid to do public speaking. Um, the saying is, is people would rather kill themselves before they you know, stand up in front of a group and speak in public. Um, and that is the case when I ask the classes, you know, the students that I work with, is that really the case? They pretty much agree with that. Um, and think about it again, the smaller scale, you're getting in front of an employer. You have to put your best foot forward. So you have to work on those skills. So this is all career planning, you know, while you're in college, planning about public speaking, about how to work with other individuals. Um, that's a major key of something that you need to do. Um, while working with those individuals, how do you function? Do you function as what you consider a leader? Or are you just somebody that sits in the side and participates, which is also, you know, you know, funny to say, that's an also sign of a leader. Just because you speak loud and say everything that you, you know, and you're heard and you're the one that everyone says, oh, I know that person because they speak, doesn't necessarily make you a leader. So sometimes what you tend to do is downplay yourself as a leader. So you get to an interview for a job and an employer says, you know, are you a leader? Are you a follower? What are some of your leadership skills and qualities? And sometimes just being a great listener, that's probably one of the hardest things that a leader can do is do that. Make sure you're a great listener because if you could tell an employer, well, as a leader and you come from left field instead of saying, well, I make sure I speak up and I'm the one that's heard and I'm the one that's in charge. You can also say, you know what? Sometimes I know when to just stop and listen because there's everybody has something to contribute to what we're doing. Employers will eat that stuff up. So that's something great to think about. Um, every class that you take, um, make sure you understand why you take those classes. I've sat with people and I said, so why did you take this class? Oh, I did it to graduate. It's like, okay, but you did it to graduate for what reason? So you should take every single class. And when you sit in that class, you sign up for that class. It might be one of your core classes that you just have to take. But say to yourself, why am I taking this? And how can I utilize this in the long run beyond my graduation? Some courses you might take and you might say to yourself, you know what, those aren't the type of courses that I can utilize at all when I graduate. But come to see later on down the road, you say, you know what, I remember I took that course and this is how it applies. Be it psychology, be it finance, be it um, economics, be it, um, you know, statistics, anything like that. You want to make sure that you understand why you're taking each of your courses. Um, Kenny, can I jump in there real quick and ask, sure. ask you a question? Sure. So what we do, we got these college graduates or even people that may still be in their um, course study right now. Um, but as Carol mentioned, are, are pushed, I'll use that word, pushed into a field um, because that's where their parents felt they should go. Or I, I and, and I, I'll be frank, when I got to UM, a lot of my friends are from the Caribbean, are like, well, you're going to go into either engineering or the health medicine. Field. 
or what is it? And they they absolutely hated it once they're in there. They finished because that's what their family wanted them to do. Mm-hmm. When I talk about career planning, um, how important is it to look forward, look at that, look at that career, and make a decision? How early do they need to make a decision, or how what's too late? Because um, sometimes I hear people say, "I've put this time in, and I feel like I'm stuck." Sure. So. It's, and it's really about the wording. So you said, how soon do they have to make a decision? The decision, I would say, comes closer towards when they're graduating. What they need to do when they first enter college is ask themselves those type of questions. What do I like to do? I know my parents said that, but they're not the ones that are going to school for me. They're not the ones that are going to graduate and do what I have to do and be in my shoes. So what am I going to be happy about? What am I passionate about? And you have to ask yourself those things. And sometimes, you know what, it might go totally, especially, you know, Caribbean African families, they tend to have a certain direction set for you. Like, this Mm -hmm. is what you're going to do in order to bring us up and, you know, make a good name for the family. But you're not going to make a good name for the family if you're not successful at it and you hate your job and you suck at it. Because that's what's pretty much going to happen is you're going to do something and do everything for everybody else. And then when it comes time to graduate, again, I ask that question. I say, you're about to graduate. Why did you come to this school? And why? What do you plan to do when you graduate? I don't know. My mother said I should. My father said I should. And I'm like, great. Well, they're not here right now. So what do you want to do with yourselves? And, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's like one of the most difficult things for them to find, to say, you know, what they want to do. And mm-hmm. so this goes back to what I said. I said, when you first get to your school, it is in your best interest to sit with someone and say what career choice you personally want to make. And uh, you know what? If mom and dad aren't sitting to your left and right, you have to speak really candidly and honestly about what you're looking to do with your life because that's going to help guide your path through college. What I also say to people, though, is keep an open mind because you might go into something and saying, you know what, I, say you're in your, your junior year. You've been doing accounting all this time. Suddenly you say, you know what, I like, I like doing uh, different business. I like doing legal studies. Now what are you going to do with yourself? So you have to keep an open mind and think of, it goes back to what I said, think of everything that you've done, be it your classes, be it the people that you've interacted with, be it any volunteer things that you've done. All of these things that you need to think about are things that are going to help you when it comes time to walk across that stage, take that diploma and apply it to whatever your career is. Because I say in school, most people have jobs. You know, but when you graduate from school, that's when you start your career. That's the career, long-term salary, um, you know, that 401k, you get all of those type of things when you start your career. When you're in school, people tend to do what I consider to be jobs. We're just like, you know, make a little bit of money to help my parents, you know, because they're paying my tuition or for me to get back and forth to school, put some food in my stomach. Those are jobs. Um, but you're really working towards building your career as well as your personal brand, which is the other point that I speak about after this. Yeah, number two. That's number two. Personal brand. All right. Personal brand. So establish, so, you know, any questions about any of that stuff? No, man. Let's, uh, all right. No. Move it along. Great. So personal brand, um, again, it goes back to when you start, when you're starting school. Um, it, a lot of this takes a lot of, um, like you have to do a lot of self-reflection and you have to understand who you are as an individual, what your strengths are. And I love parents and I always sit with people that I work with and I say, I never want to disrespect anyone's parents because I wouldn't want anyone to disrespect mine, but they're not the one that's taking the journey. They might be helping you pay, they might pay, be paying the full price. And that's why you feel guilted into doing what, they're, what they want you to do. Um, but in the end, not being successful in it, what did you really do except make them keep paying money to this institution um, for you to be not as successful as you could be doing something that you're really passionate about and you love. 
So your personal brand is what you start establishing. And now we have social media. When I was in school and I know you guys, when we were all in school, we didn't have all the social media that we were working mm-hmm. with, you know, all this social, you know? It came out. You know? Yep. So, so it's, so it's, it's actually more important for you to establish your social, your personal brand now, because you have things like Facebook, you have Instagram, you have all Snapchat, all these things where you have the ability to actually look like a shining star or look like a derelict, you know? And in between, it gets kind of blurry because employers will, as much as they might say, oh, I won't look at it, or, or you don't think that they look at your, your social media pages, they're all over them. Employers definitely look at your social media. So if you're sitting there, you know, and you have your, on your Facebook or Instagram, you have all the shots lined up at the bar, or your feet in the sand, and you're always taking a vacation, or you're just doing something that you think isn't something that, the way we say it is, is this something that you could show your grandmother? That's the easiest way we put it. Can you show your, your grandmother your social media page? Can you show her your Facebook? Can you show her your Instagram? Can you show them that? And they'll be comfortable with that. If you can say yes to that, then you're generally doing a pretty good job of establishing your personal brand, which means there's a couple of pieces to it. Your personal brand consists of obviously, you, you know, showing the good stuff that you do and not having a, um, any of your social media pages with questionable material on it, what people can, employers consider questionable material. Um, another part of your personal brand is, again, what industry do you want to get into? What do you want to promote yourself as? Do you want to be known as the fitness guy that everybody, you know, sees and that works out with? Do you want to be known as I'm a public speaker and I go out and I do a lot of speaking or I'm a philanthropist or I'm a musician? Um, these are all things that you have so many platforms where you can establish your personal brand and you don't want to waste them putting like trivial things on there, putting like talking about backstabbing people and other things like that. You want to be able to, to look through your, your social media page, scroll through it and say, you know what, there's a consistency there and it, sh- it speaks to who I am and who I'm trying to portray to people and to the world. And the other piece of it is your personal brand is not just social media. So if you're showing people this side of you and you're the sports person, the speaker, you're any of those things, you better make sure that when you're on public settings, you're also that person as well. That's being genuine to who your personal brand is. So it's very important to make sure you establish exactly. that. Yep. And, right. and that's huge because you want to get into the habit of not having to turn a switch off and on. Correct. Right, because that's what makes it become easy. and You don't end up with this dual personality of where you're at work and you're portraying one thing. And then when you go home, you portray something else. And that's the main reason why people thank God it's Friday because now I can take a rest from being this person that I curated and be who I really am on Saturday and Sunday. And then come Monday, we're with doom and gloom because we have to go back to portraying somebody putting on this character. Correct. Um, and it's way easier if you establish from early, um, which Kenny's talking about your brand. Yep, it's social media. It's, it's, it's the way you represent yourself, even off, outside of social media, that is your brand. Um, so, and it's very easy to identify as, look, when you go into a corporation, there are people that, look, they have interviewed hundreds, if not thousands of people, and they know authenticity when they see it. Correct. Mm-hmm. And some of them, when you come in there and you pretend to be something that you're not, they will hire you because they know that they're going to hold something over your head for you to be what they want you to be. And then you, you've lost at that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so yeah, so, so your personal brand is very important. And what, what you have to understand, going back to the social media aspect of it, and Carol actually brought up a great point, which is, you know, on Saturday and Sunday, you're one person, but on Monday, you're going back to be that other person. Guess what? Saturday and Sunday, somebody might tag you on your Saturday and Sunday activities that you might think is not, not public. Um, and then someone, all they have to do is ego. I, I, sp- I told this term to uh, Carol, where you ego surf. And what that is, is you type your name. And actually, everybody should do that now that I mention it. You should, to look at your personal brand, is EgoSurf. You go to Google or any of these search engines, type your name in there, hit return, see what comes up. If what comes up is stuff that you're like, wow, this is stuff I didn't even know would be here or that I didn't expect to be, you know, your picture comes up, people you're acquainted with comes up, things that you probably are like, I, I don't even remember doing that comes up. Um, so when you EgoSurf, make sure you do that. And a trick to clean up your your social media pages is you have to start utilizing the ones that are business related are um you know things where you're searching like say you're into photography do a whole bunch of searches on you know cameras and how to put together camera and how to take great pictures and just make that your primary search and what tends to happen is that's the stuff that starts to move to the top when you're in your social media pages so that's a good way to help establish and clean up your personal brand there's also a program we use. It's not, it's not exactly free. It's called Brand Yourself. Um, it's a program, and they should pay me for this. It's a program that, where they use, uh, where you, it'll scan your social media pages periodically, um, and it'll give you like different reports back to say, there are probably eight questionable things on your page. And I remember when I used it, I was like, there's nothing questionable on my page. I got hit, you know, I got a hit, bing, and it says, there's a questionable thing. And I'll, all I said was something, maybe I, I, it's like shared a message where it says, you know, someone's like, this guy's a pain in the ass. And because the word ass was on there, then all of a sudden that's something that's questionable. So you never know what's considered questionable on social media. And there's some things you can look at and be like, all right, that's, that's okay. That could stay. But for the most part, you want to do those type of trip tricks to clean up your social media page. A big part that you could use is LinkedIn, which I'm going to talk about in a little while. Um, if you do a lot of searches on LinkedIn and use that a lot, and you should, because you're doing a job search and you're graduating from college, um, that should be something that becomes one of your primary things. I always keep LinkedIn open on my work. I use it a lot when I'm on my phone, I'm traveling. I like to post things, tag people, share stuff on LinkedIn. Um, and that's what people tend to see the most. And I'm okay with that because that, that is who I am. The stuff I share on LinkedIn, if, I, if you talk to me, you'd be like, yeah, that's, that's who Kenny is. Um, so again, I stay very genuine to what my brand is. And my brand is about education and leadership um, and just kind of motivating people. So if you know anything about me, that's who I am. And you can look at any of my social media pages and that's what I show off. Um, nice. So, so number one was, what career, was the first point again? Career planning and management. Career planning and management. Yep. We just covered branding and now we're going to number three, which is identify your network. So to identify your network, uh, when I'm te- speaking in schools, I tell people, look in front of you, look to the left of you, the right of you, and behind you, because that right there is your network to start off while you're in school. People don't realize that some of the most valuable resources and people that they have are those that are right around them. And the great thing is, is these are the people that are going through the same experience as you. If you're in a certain school and you look around your classmates, they're in the same school as you, they're doing the same stuff as you, probably not liking the same professors that you don't like and liking the same classes that you like, so they understand what you're going through. Uh, I speak in front of groups and I say, you know, what are you trying to do? I ask someone something. What do they, what do they plan to do when they graduate? These days, what I notice is most people want to start their own business. This generation is all about starting their own business. So I'm like, great. 
That's a fantastic thing. I ask people like in various parts of the room, so what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And I, then I show them the connections that are right there in the same classroom as them, not even just in the same school, right there in the classroom with them that they probably would have never spoken to each other if they, had, if they didn't have the opportunity for me to come and talk to them and say, speak to these people. And then it's funny when I see them later on, they say, you know what? I started this business with this person because I utilized them for, you know, taking pictures and this one did the marketing for me and everybody's winning because if you're trying to promote yourself as someone who does marketing, why not work with somebody who needs a marketer? If you're trying to promote yourself as somebody who um, takes pictures, work with the person that does marketing. I mean, it all goes hand in hand. And eventually what you see is there's so many connecting wires between everybody that's just in your classroom. And then I say, expand that beyond the classroom to within the school expand that i i work in new york city so i say you know expand it to the city speak to people find out what they're about it's kind of it's 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 one of the beautiful things that i love about being a new yorker is you could talk to anybody if you're a real new york you're going to talk to anybody and you know speak to them say what's up um and you're going to find so many the diverse people a variety of people where you're going to you know wind up saying you know what i think that if i never spoke to you before I wouldn't have been able to do this. And you would have graduated, went on with your life, not realizing probably one of the people that would make you the most successful was sitting right in the same classroom as you all the time. So, so there's the classroom and then outside, right outside of the classroom. And then of course, there's just your general networking. Um, there's events that everyone should go to, especially if you're in college. Network, go to networking events. There's a, a site that I think is pretty cool. It's called meetup.com. Um, and just different, different sites where you could just find events that are going on for, and you could, you know, uh, filter it down to your real, to your specific job that you're looking for, the industry that you're looking to do, the type of meetings that you're trying to have. And you can set those things up where a calendar reminder will come up and it'll show you like, this is where this is happening in your city or in your town or anywhere that you plan to be. So I'm very big on making sure you network with those around you and then just find opportunities to attend networking events. So when you, when you that, one of the things that I always try to tell people like cousins and all that stuff is that everybody, you know, nowadays, even with their use of social media, their use of, well, their lack of communicating with individuals in their class, they just go to class, um, don't really talk to people, whatever. But also is like, don't burn bridges, right? Because you never know who you're sitting next to today will be above you that could potentially be a link to a, a network, a connection, or your boss mm -hmm. in a couple of years from now. And the people have a hard time with that because they people want to hold grudges. People want to get upset with people. Like, it's just not worth it, man. You never know what connection. And now with social media the way it is, you never know that the person you're sitting next to could be your neighbor's cousin. Yes. And all that stuff comes back tenfold. You led, later on down the line, and they'll have a conversation offline you don't know about, and you just messed up your chances. Right. Of you know, getting that connection, getting that that network link, or getting your foot in the door somewhere. So it's a it's a it, with social media, the world has become much much smaller. And I think one of the things that people haven't realized is that by going through those situations and, and making them, everybody doesn't have to be your best friend, right? But they just need to keep them on a, a um a. Uh, even playing, even playing field. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. what I tell everybody also, sorry, Carol, is that no, like, like, I, like I was saying, is like you're you're building your brand. Why would you want to tarnish your brand by burning a bridge or bad mouthing somebody? If you're building your brand, think of a brand. If you have a brand of food that you eat, or a brand of or any product that you use, when you hear in the news that all of a sudden, oh, it's it's tainted, or pull this, or it's got this number, you got to recall it. 
it makes you think twice about getting that brand again. So that's mm-hmm. how you have to look at yourself. You are that brand. And if you hear somebody's cousin, mother, a classmate, a professor, anything, talk bad about that person that you thought, okay, I was, I thought that person was, you know, a stand-up type of person, but obviously they're not. I'm going to have to do a little further and get investigating. Why would mm-hmm. you even want somebody to have to go through those motions when you could just be like, I keep saying your genuine self and your genuine self should also be your most professional self. You know, the times of, of being petty. I know there's a lot of shows out there where people get famous by being petty and backstabbing and fighting and throwing glass and throwing bottles. And, Oh, that's, that's how I'm famous. That's their brand that they're creating. I don't know. I hope everybody doesn't think that all that stuff is, is real. If you notice on shows like that, where people are creating these brands, their, their brand is to the ones that are nice and kind in those type of shows. You don't see them anymore. The ones that say, you know what? I need to keep my brand going. They're going to start fights, throw bottles, do that. But that's their particular brand. And everybody should look to be, see like, what's my particular professional brand. And as a college student, college graduate, you're looking to be, hopefully a little more professional than putting yourself out there just to be someone on social media. So think of your brand when you're going out there. And, and I was going to say, for one, look, those people that do that, that are about the, they attract attention to themselves through drama or, or through, you know, as Kenny said, they're throwing bottles, whatever they're doing. That brand is only going to be as good as it attracts views and as it promotes itself on social media, once that has expired, guess what? That now expires. But unfortunately, at that point, it is too late for that person to rebrand themselves because you've done such a good job that everybody believes that's who you are, right? And what I was going to say is, is that I was going to say specifically for, for, for the young men out there, but let's, let's throw the young woman in there too. You have to be very careful how you choose to date or how you choose to mistreat people in your social scene as you're coming through college, because you never know who that person is going to be and what you may need from that person. And it would be unfortunate if you couldn't even pick up the phone and call that person, if they were in a position to help you with what you're trying to do with your career. Yep. Yep. And it, again, it works both ways. You, you, you damage a relationship early not realizing that that same relationship could come to serve you later on. And I've seen it happen time and time again. So don't be that person. Always remember you are, everything you do is a potential seed for what you can do in the future. Good, good, bad, or indifferent. Correct. Um, Let's move on. Yeah, let's do it. Number four. Resumes, cover letters, and LinkedIn. Super important. Obviously, if you're going for a job, a resume still holds a lot of weight. You know, some people apply through for jobs using, you know, they fill out applications. Um, those are probably, I would say, the more entry-level type of jobs. But when you're applying for a job with a corporate entity in retail and the legal field for whatever it is, mo- for the most part, employers are going to need a resume to introduce you. A well-put-together resume, too. That's the difference. Some people have resumes and they're like, oh, I have a resume that I used since high school. I don't know why I'm not getting a job. I'm like, because you're using a high school resume and nobody wants to see a high school resume. I tell people, once you get into college, that's your ticket to put away the high school stuff. And now you should start your resume from college forward. Again, since we're talking to the college audience, I do want to say that I know there's people who haven't gone to college and that's a whole different conversation we could have because... 
you know, it, it's different. People who don't choose to go to college might have something of a different looking resume than someone who's in college. Because when you're in college, you can use your relevant coursework that you took that applies towards whatever the careers that you're going for. The different organizations you became a member of, if you join a fraternity or sorority, um, a lot of them do the um, you know, volunteer work Habitat for Humanity, um, you know, Meals on Wheels, they volunteer during Martin Luther King Day. They do different things where those things apply. Um, I do like people to understand that no matter what your job is, I hear so many people say, you know, I'm like, I'm like, let's put together a resume for you because you don't have one. They say, yeah, but what I did, I did, you know, it was off the books. You know, I get a lot of that. It was off the books, so I don't want to put it. What you have to understand is nobody's the IRS. I'm not the IRS when I'm creating your, you know, I'm not trying to collect money from you. If you put that you did a job, it's more, more, you become more of a value if you have more, you know, jobs on your resume. So volunteer experiences, the coursework that you took. Um, nowadays on the resumes, even let's like dissect a resume. On a resume, most people put their street address. You don't need to put that anymore on a resume. Most, what you need on a resume now is your name across the top, the city and state that you live in, a contact phone number. That's very important. Some people don't put that. They only want to put emails. You're doing yourself a disservice because you need a phone number. Say an employer doesn't want to email you to set up an interview. Now, where are you? You probably were a great candidate, but all you did was you put, put an email address or a LinkedIn link on there. So you have to have a phone number. You have to have your email address. And, a, and if you do have a LinkedIn URL, that's a good thing to put on there as well. Because if they're not going to be able to click on it, you better believe that once they're done talking to you or looking at your resume, the majority of them are going to LinkedIn to see if you're on there. So it's, it's in your best interest to be on LinkedIn. Um, when employers ask you questions and they say, you know, tell me about yourself, they're pretty much asking you what's on your resume. I know when I work with people, they say, you know, uh, the employer asked me to tell, tell them about myself and they start talking about what they do with their family and what their hobbies are. That's not what an employer wants to hear. An employer wants to hear just the pieces of, of a resume. What's your education? What's your education level? How far have you gone? Did you, did you get any awards in your college education? Uh, do you have a master's degree? Um, they want to know what type of work experience you have. And sometimes you might say, well, what I've done doesn't speak towards what I want to do in my career. And that's not always the case. Um, if you do a little exploring, what I tend to people, tell people to do is look at a, a website called glassdoor.com. You know, um, look on glassdoor.com and glassdoor is something where it tells you different job descriptions of people. So if you're doing something, you've been accounting, doing accounting work all the time, suddenly you want to switch to, um, I don't know, legal studies, then you have to see what in that particular field is what you're, you're trying to do. And you could take some of the work that you've done in your accounting classes, or maybe in an accounting internship or something um, that you can speak to, that you can use and it speaks towards the legal studies. Um, so in your resume, it has to be really concise. It has to talk about your hard skills more than your soft skills. I don't even know if people know what that is. Um, hard skills are more like, I know how to speak two different languages. I know how to use Microsoft Office and you name the different things, different programs that you know how to use. The things you want to stay away from is saying, I'm a, I'm a good listener. I have communication skills. I have leadership skills. Those are things you want to keep out of a resume because the employer, to, what does that mean to an employer? You right. should be able to communicate. You should be a good listener or you put, I'm punctual. You better be punctual. I'm hiring you to be there on time. So those are things that you don't want to necessarily put on a resume. That's what you say for when you talk to employers. Yeah. And, and, and what I would say about that is with your resume, things that you could, that you would have examples and stories of, right. 
when a story is important, I don't want to hear about, well, this person told me I was good at this. No, no. I want you to give me a very specific example of when you displayed whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So skills, look, I'm not going to ask you for a specific example about you using Microsoft word. Yep. I'm just not right. When you talk about you being a leader. Okay. I'm going to ask you for a very specific example about that. Mm -hmm. So when you're writing your resume, think in those terms, Mm-hmm. Anything that would require you to provide examples, those are the things you want to develop on your resume. Anything that's just a given, like, I'm not going to ask you to give me a sample of your your essay. Your essay, or are you typing 36 words, per, you know, like that. Right. So, so a good thing, Carol, like what you're saying, again, it goes back to what I said. If people want to take their resume um, and they can Google, search something called the STAR interview, Okay. S-T-A-R interview. And that's a situational thing. Very much what Carol's talking about. I know he does those type of interviews. I know lately when I've seen interviews or spoken to employers, those are the type of interviews they do. They say, tell me about a specific time when you had to manage conflict between two employees that you were supervising. And you have to speak towards that. If you can't speak towards that, what value are you? Are you? They want to know real life situations. Tell me a time when you hey, had to show your leadership skills. So that's what you do when, your res- when you look yep. at your resume. Star interview. So let's break that. Let's break that star down, right? Because I, me personally, I, I've never known what the T is, and I think I don't <laughs> like the T, and that's why. But I know it, it's situation. The T is. You said you don't like star interviews. No, no, I don't like the T. Oh, uh, task. Right. So it's situation, task, oh, task, action, results. Action and result. Right. Yes. I personally don't like the, the task piece because if you tell me the situation then you tell me the action you took, you tell me the result. Right. Mm-hmm. So most of the times I get the job done. Um, the T I think is personally repetitive, but look, I didn't make it up. Somebody probably got paid a lot of money. <laughs> that method. And so, it's a, it's a good thing for people to search. I don't want people to search star. I want them to search star interviews. So keep the T in there. Yes. Yes. Keep the T in. Yes. Keep, I, I yes, think it'll, you're not it'll definitely help star. Yes. <laughs> the only way you're going to find star, you're going to see me. Because I, I, I throw out the tea all the time. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny that you mentioned that because I I've heard a star interview before. I've never actually known what it was. Mm-hmm. What you just described is what we've transformed to in our hiring process and everything, and even honestly in our conversations when we're we want to pull information mm-hmm. from individuals, whether it be a principal, whether it be a district, when we're getting to know them, mm-hmm. it's tell me about a time when the second. Yeah. Get the situation. I never knew that that's what it was from. Yep, star interview. That's the thing. I think if you want to be successful in interviews nowadays, the most, the best you could do is get to understand what a star interview is and how to answer those type of interview questions. And also knowing your resume, because you're like Carol said, it's very big. They're going to say, "I see you were a supervisor at Target. Um, tell me about it. That means you manage people. How many people? Let's talk about that." And they're just going to they're going to run with it. So and, and, and here's, here's, here, here's a freebie. Here's a bonus for any company that you want to apply for. Just about any company out there is going to have a set of core values or competencies. And you should be able to Google that company and find out what those are. Once you get, once you get that list, what you want to do is you want to start writing your star examples that show when you've done each core competency value, whatever it is, because that will put you ahead of the game 
if should you get an interview? Yep. Because when they start asking you, the questions they're going to ask you are somehow directly related to their core values or to their competencies. What I like people to understand very much, that's great, Carol, is that um, when they do start asking those type of questions, some people to tend to either panic or get a little too relaxed. And they need to understand just an interview process is that you're always on stage and you're always trying to speak toward to the employer towards what their mission is and what their goals are. So know, like, like I said, craft your resume, make it fit what they're looking for. Don't lie. Be very genuine. Be very honest on your resume. And also, like Carol said, know this, the, the principles that they have, the core values that they have, and know that like, when I worked in this particular job or when I went to school or when I volunteered, these are the things that you have to speak to and say and let them know, you know indirectly. You don't have to say, I know that I, I read about this on your website, so that's why I'm saying this. You just have to speak towards it and they'll hear it. They'll hear that, you know, okay, oh, he understands. He kind of is following our mission anyway. And he doesn't even realize it. Meanwhile, you really do realize it because you did your research. Let me ask you a question, Kenny. Yep. Um, a lot of so we're in this interview part. I mean, we're not really in the interview part, but we're talking about things from a resume that may lead to the interview. Um, for those individuals who know they have a tough time staying on task with the question asked, because my biggest thing is that if I ask you a direct question, if you don't start answering that question within the first 15, 20 seconds, I'm, all, I'm either marking you down already or I'm, I'm on to my next question and I'm not even paying no more as, as an interviewer, right? So if I know focusing on the question I asked or getting directly to the point, what tips do you have for those individuals who may be struggling with that? Um, so being concise is, is a big deal. Um, sometimes people just go on and they ramble on and they think they're saying some quality stuff because to them, they want to make sure they get everything in that they say, but it's like, are you answering the question? One thing I could say is, um, that could help is when you repeat the question. So if you say, tell me about a time when you were a leader and you could say, so one time when I was, when I showed leadership qualities was, and then you speak towards that way. It kind of keeps you focused on the track because if you start to think about it and you say, you know, I had this job and this and X, Y, Z it's going gonna, it's gonna to lead you down a path and then you're not going to know how to close that. And that's usually what messes people up in interviews is that they don't know how to close because they started on some crazy path that didn't even directly answer the question. So I always say, take a moment. And, I, and instead of saying, um, instead of just jumping right in, take a moment. I say, count to two. The amount of time it takes you to inhale, exhale is when you should answer. So you don't wait too long but you don't have to answer immediately. And it shows that you take that moment to think, and it kind of helps you to think. If you see athletes, you know, when they're about to pitch or someone's at the foul line, you know, and they're about to shoot the ball, they take that breath. And it kind of brings them down and gets them focused to a place where number one, it gives that pause where you're not saying, um, or I don't know, whatever, but it also relaxes you a little bit and it helps you to get your mind a little clearer and stay focused on the task. Yep. All right, man. Uh, just in those four points alone, uh, that was a lot of information. So we're going to split this up because I don't want you all to miss all of these nuggets. So we're going to come back with part two next week of this because just interviewing alone, um, I, I suspect that we will spend a whole lot of time in um, just interview alone. So we will come back with the second part next week. So again, if, if, if you have a recent graduate, um, look, here, here is a gift that will cost you nothing to send them the link to this episode and tell them to listen to it. Um, and again, you can get us on 
uh, iTunes. You can get us on Google Play, Spotify, YouTube. Uh, you can get SoundCloud, exactly. Vimeo. Uh, all of these platforms. Uh, did I say Spotify? I don't know if I did, but Spotify. Yes, um, you can get this on all of those. So, look, we will provide the links when this comes out because you definitely want to share this. These are from people that are either preparing people to be in the workforce or are in the workforce and are looking to hire people. So um, definitely share this. Definitely give us your reviews before next week. Um, Man, send us your comments. Send us your questions. We'll be more than happy. um, I'm glad to to answer questions. Yep, for sure. Yep, we'll be more than happy to get Kenny um, on those. And then for those of us that are already in corporate America and that we actually look for folks uh, or, or, or just in positions to hire, period, uh, we would love to be able to share some of the knowledge that we have. So, um, man, Kenny, powerful, powerful, and just a lot of content, man. And, you know, thank you so much. And you said people should pay you for this. And, and I promise you people will, um, because we're going to make sure that, 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 that you get out there and can provide this info. So, um, don't you the, worry. But for the sake of this podcast, I don't mind sharing. And I actually enjoy fielding questions, specific questions, because I can speak very generally, but if people have specific questions and they're, you know, loyal listeners to the show, why not give them some, you know, some stuff for free? I don't mind that. For yeah. now. For now. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Hey, uh, BJ, man, uh, you got anything for the folks that are going out? It's almost summertime. You know, you have anything for them? I mean, I mean, I don't want to be cliche, but a lot of the regression that happens with elementary, middle, and high school kids happens over the summer because kids are not actively involved. Um, and, and I'm not talking about something that has to do every day. Make sure your kids have a book, something, something to keep them engaged over the summer. If it's one book over the summer, they're, they're about a mile ahead than 90% of all the other students that are out there right now. But right. I, I personally made a, made a commitment and a choice that I bought my kids. There was three books that I picked out. Um, each of them have to read one of them, Rich Kid, Smart Kid, um, Seven Habits of a Highly Effective Teenager, or the six six most important decisions you'll ever make. Um, they each have to read one of those books this summer, and then they got to pick their own fictional book. I bought it last week. They can read it on their own between now and the start of school. As long as they get mine done, they can read whatever they want, do whatever they want this summer. Um, but it's a way to keep them engaged, man. Um, ask questions. When you take trips this summer, like talk about things, go experience things as a family, um, experience things as brothers, sisters, aunts and uncles. Take the kids out, just do stuff, get them out of the house, out in front of those video games all summer long, um, and just make sure their brains are engaged in other things to keep them right so we don't get that regression. Because a lot of time we're spending the first three, four, five weeks of school reteaching the stuff that we taught this year instead of just reviewing and moving on, we're going through a whole reteaching cycle, right? And that, that's the biggest thing where we see a lot of regression. So keep them engaged, um, keep the brains going, even something simple, like I brought this for myself. I gotta sit it right here, I ain't even really start yet. Just little brain games to keep their minds thinking, right? So my, I found at Kinko's the other day, I was there. Um, FedEx is not even called Kinko's no more, is it? <laughs> um, Mensa, that's the other one. I didn't find that one. That's the one I was looking for. But it's something just keep in mind as, a, as an adult. Keep my mind thinking, like, I, I did the first couple of puzzles that day. I'm like, well, I'm losing. I got to get back in this <laughs> back in the thing, man. So I love those little things like that. 
It, you know what else is good too? I noticed, uh, um, especially around here in, in, you know, I live in Queens. Um, there's a lot of free things to do. Free things over the summer, like free things that stimulate a kid's brain that they might not necessarily think they're learning something, but they're doing it. We have a museum of science out here that's like, you'd think you're like in an amusement park going mm-hmm. to, but you're learning so much. So they could even do that. So reading is great. But even those kids that are like, you know what, I don't want to read, take them somewhere that they can learn something. There's so many things that they learn in those textbooks in school, like going to, you know, a certain monument or a certain park or somewhere, you know, and there's so much stuff around where you are that you could just go there and be like, let's go learn about that. You learned about that in school. That's what this is. It's right here. And if you know anybody else, that's just me. And I know everybody can't do it. If you know there's a neighbor down the street or a single mom and the kid is in the house all summer. If you got an opportunity, take the kid with you one time, right? Just take, take somebody else to let them experience because they may not ever, that single mom may keep them in the house all summer just because she has nobody else to take them out and she has to walk, work all day, right? Just keep your eye out, your ears open for, for friends and things like that. And it may not cost you a thing, it may cost you a couple dollars. Again, at the end, is you're investing in another child. So anybody you can see like that, just like pull them along if you can. I respect that. It's awesome. It's great. Nice. Ladies and gentlemen, that is our show this week. And I just want to remind you, look, we talked about four out of six points for our recent college graduates or those of you that are even looking to switch your career. Um, So those four points that we covered today were uh, just career resources, using your career resources, establishing those uh, early, um, in your college career. And Kenny, you can jump in if I said that wrong, but um, that's what I have down as point number one. Uh, number two, establishing your brand, uh, knowing that you are a brand. Number two was identifying your net. Number three, I'm sorry, was identifying your network. Um, and number three was your resume and LinkedIn. Uh, and we'll have two more points um, and hopefully more. Um, yeah. We'll ask some questions next week. Uh, but in closing, I would say this. So, for those of you, and, and look, this is an awesome episode to have your kids that are still in high school listen to so they can kind of understand why you're trying to push them the way that you're pushing them, right? Mm-hmm. And look, if, if you want to have the ability to make your own decisions when you get to college and not be in that position where your parents are paying for it or you have to depend on them, and because of that dependency, you now have to get into that career that they think is best for you which now puts you, locks you into a certain course of study, then you have to start exercising your position of power from early. What sets you up for that position of power is that you do what you need to do in high school that puts you in a position to where you don't need your parents' money. You're going to get scholarships. You're going to get grants. And now guess what? That pressure of having to do what they think is best for you is going to be gone, right? Some of your parents might not like that. However, if you don't have to contribute any money, I think you're going to think that's great, right? So that's the first thing. Starting your brand, don't wait till you get to college. Wait before you get there and start that brand. You look a lot more attractive to college recruiters. You will look very attractive to employment recruiters, all right? Recognize that your peer is powerful. Your peer, that person right around you is a powerful resource. And guess what? I want to hire them. Because they are innovative, they have all the newest thought, they're going to bring a fresh set of eyes, and I'm going to hire them at an entry-level pay. What does that mean? That means that 
you are competitive as a competitor to me because you can get them in now and show them that, that, hey, if we start working, we can claim whatever salary we want to claim if we get together and combine our forces and we put our resources together, right? Which gives you, you puts you way ahead of the game because if you're hungry for a job, I'm going to get you, you're going to have talent that I see and recognize and I'm going to hire you at a entry level pay. Just letting you know, it's not me personally, that's just how we work in corporate America. And then that last thing is your resume and LinkedIn, let that thing live and breathe who you are. Don't try to be somebody else. I don't want to hire a fictitious person. I want to hire you. That's our show, ladies and gentlemen, here on the 13th floor where the furniture isn't always the best, but the views are amazing. Listen one time, two times, three times. And my son just came back. He's going to listen now. <laughs> I'm going to make him start listening right now. We'll That's see you next week, ladies and gentlemen. That's our show. All right, y'all. The 13th Floor. floor. The 13th Floor. floor.